Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast. Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, our audience here live at the Cheltenham Science Festival, and the natural world to work out what the next stage in our human evolution should be. I'm your host, Simon Watts, and today I am joined by three inevitable progressive declines in the form of our guests. Pitching ideas, we have on my immediate left, Catherine Harkip. Now, Catherine is a chemist, an author, and a fan of Agatha Christie. What's the connection there? Well, Agatha Christie, you wouldn't think of her as a science writer, but actually there's an awful lot of chemistry in her books if you go looking for it. And as a science communicator, I'm slightly in awe of Agatha Christie that she can explain all the science you need to get the clues to figure out who done it, and you wouldn't even notice that you were reading science. But, but it's there. There are chemical formula in her books and all sorts. Um, of course, reading the science won't actually help you figure out who done it. I'm one of those people that, okay, there's a limited number of suspects. I know all the clues. I should be able to work it out. It's like problem solving, a very scientific uh, process. And you think, I should be able to work this out before Hercule Poirot should. I have read all of her books, all 83 of them, <laughs> and I have figured it out once. <laughs> Which one, actually? Uh, I, it, it was called The Mirror Cracked, and if you know anything about measles, you'll be able to work it out too, because it's like a momentary lapse, and she just gives away this massive clue really early you, on. Yeah, I know you feel. I once saw an episode of House where I diagnosed before him, and I walked around feeling like a god for a day. So <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're also being joined by Ben Garrett. Ben is an evolutionary biologist, a telepresenter, and a conservationist. And judging their ideas and seeing if they are worthwhile, we have on my immediate right the tremendous writer, actor, he's great on Twitter, Robert Llewellyn. Um, now, you're used to seeing people making great things from rubbish on Scrap Heap Challenge. Um, do you think we might be able to make things better from puny human meat? You know? Yeah, oh, I think so, very much so. I mean, I think, that, uh, I think we've got enor- there's enormous sort of changes going on all the time. In, in the, the kind of the confluence of technology and biology. I mean, I think that's a really fascinating area. 
that, as always, is fraught with as many dangers as it is possible advantages, but it's still fascinating things. So, before we launch into the pitches, each of our panel have brought along some news stories to show you the kind of thing which is actually happening now. So, uh, Catherine, what's your news story? My news story, uh, I've been interested recently, there's been a lot in the news about pig organ transplants. There's controversy in China where they were using pig eyes and donating them to humans, which they've been doing successfully for uh, quite a while. Wow. And now in America, they're starting to debate growing human organs inside pigs because pigs are excellent proxies for humans because they're roughly the same size, they're hairless, um, organs are roughly the same size and shape. And so um, it would completely transform uh, transplants because you wouldn't have waiting lists anymore because you have a human organ that you can just harvest from a pig plus lots more bacon. <laughs> Does that mean you're eating humanized bacon though? Like, well, is this partial see, cannibalism? Uh, I've heard that humans taste like pig, because yeah. the long pig. Um, that, yeah. So what are you, you know, that's the thing that my mate says. How do you know? <laughs> I've heard, I don't, I've read it somewhere, probably on the internet. Let's not go too <laughs> deep. <laughs> but yeah, there are interesting ethical issues. Are you making pigs more human and then harvesting those organs? Is that, um, there are more ethical dimensions to, to that. So it, an interesting debate, but potentially very exciting in terms of transplant. It, it, it means the, term, the sort of slightly offensive term, piggy eyes, which I've definitely said, would be deeply offensive in China, because you go, well, yeah, I've just had them installed, I can see. Don't do me, you know, give me a break. Yeah. That's extraordinary, really, pig eyes in human beings. Well, it's not... Um, pigs' parts have been transplanted for a while, because there's... Um, Valves in hearts that yes. you can get from people. Yes, that's a long like time that. ago. I knew something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and various other bits. But the, the eye thing is relatively new. Wow. How about you, Robert? Have you brought along a new story? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm very obsessed and fascinated with uh, the future of transportation and electric cars. I do a lot of stuff with electric cars. And, they, and the, the thinking, really, it's more like philosophy that's going on inside autonomous vehicle planning. You know, how do... Because technically, they still exi they exist now. I've, I've been in fully autonomous vehicles, they just drive you to where you want to go and they find their way there. Hmm. I don't know how they do They've got no steering wheel, there's no pedals, there's nothing to hold on to, you just sit in it and go, I guess it knows what it's doing. And it's the, it's the kind of moral and ethical dilemmas that they're facing because, you know, stuff happens and eventually it, there's going to be a car that's been going, going to go along. The reason they go very, very slowly at the moment is because they can be really sure they're not going to knock into anyone because they can stop in like a quarter of a second, in, a, yes. in two, two feet they can stop. But once they do start going faster, then there could be a, an incident, a something, an accident, something's happened and you've got a choice between hitting something with the, the, where the passenger is in danger or hitting a, a human being out on the street. And what do you do in those circumstances? And there's this incredibly complex, because it sort of goes, well, I, you just, it won't happen, you'll stop. No, but what happens if, you know, it's all those what ifs are, uh, you know, very, ex they're coming up with extreme situations, uh, uh, very complex. We have an so. early point from the floor. Yeah, this is called the trolley problem. And, the trolley um, problem, exactly. If you, if you continue this idea to, to it's, it's infinite logic, that, that, that you've got a, a, a car that has to make a decision between, say, for example, hitting a, a child on a bike or an old lady, um, then you, if the, because the computer can make that decision really quickly. And so then uh, you have to wonder who's, who's liable for the crash. Is yeah. it the car or the driver uh, or the people who wrote the software? And then you've got to think, if, if your car can make that decision, 
do you, do you program the car to, to choose one over the other? And then if you do, how do you get that ethics? Is it, so, yeah. so people might end up getting cars that are programmed according to their religion. Yeah. You know, so you might have a Catholic Cadillac that, 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 that prioritizes the life of the unborn baby. So if there's a pregnant woman in the, in, uh, on, on the road, it would, it would kill everyone else to save that unborn baby. That, like, yeah. if we think about it, well, if you start putting ethics in machines, then it goes to a very strange place. Yeah. Actually, can we ask the audience quickly, just by a shout, uh, would you rather that your car kills you or kills the child? <laughs> so, uh, and a really beautiful shout child. Shout now for child. Is a shout now for you. <laughs> Liars, all of you. <laughs> right, let's move on to your news story, Ben. Uh, I read a story where they have developed these little things called stentrodes, which look like little stents that are insert into your hip, they go up to your brain, and they sit in various parts of your brain. And they can look at the electrical activity that's going on up there, and they predict that in the next 15 to 20 years, they will be able to have direct control over thoughts and ultimately actions. And the reason I picked the story is because of the, the, just the, the, the optimism of these scientists. At the moment, they've worked on sheep, and they have managed to track the electrical activities and they think control very, very slightly the activities of sheep for 190 days. They don't do a great deal. Their next step is to train fighter pilots. <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> That's my new story. <laughs> Simple as that. General, is this tested? Yep, there are some really clever sheep over there. <laughs> so this is the stuff that's actually happening right now. But what would we really like to see in the next stage of our evolution? So, Catherine. Pitch to us, what is your suggestion? Okay, on, on the theme of transplants, I would like humans to have complete immune privilege. Now, when you have a transplant normally, um, you have to tissue match and blood type match, and it's a very complicated process, and you have to give immunosuppressants so that the body doesn't reject whatever organ you've received. Our bodies are very good at recognizing us. They're very good at recognizing, well, the world is divided into two parts, us, not us. And if it's not us, it attacks it. Mm. So this is why you have organ rejection. Now, there are certain organs within the human body that have what is called immune privilege, and you can transplant these organs into anyone, and they will not be rejected. And those organs are the brain, the eyes, testes, and hair follicles. This is a rather limited list, <laughs> I would suggest. And it would be really nice if you could just give immune privilege to every organ, and then, again, you would solve all of the transplant issues in a stroke. However, the major advantage, from my point of view, is that I would get to build a Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> it is a major flaw in the book that you can just collect these bits together, stitch them, you get a functioning creature. It, it would be awesome. You could just, you know, pick bits, add them on. It would be amazing. Can I, can I ask you, actually, because you've raised something that I've always wondered. Like, what is it that's so special about brains and balls that they are immunoprivileged? Why is that? I, I have absolutely no answer to that. Because, because they have transplanted brains um, from dogs into the abdomen of another dog. So you just have this floating brain that is just pure thought. It's not receiving any input from anything because they can't wire up the nerves. It is just pure thought. And that's it intrigues me what is going on inside that brain. Um, what balls, I have no idea. <laughs> well, there is like secondary issues with this, because I know, and I hope I get this right, but um, 
Sperm is something which is called sperm-specific antigen, which means that men can actually be allergic to their own sperm, which is one of the reasons why if you get a kick in the nuts and you get white blood cells in there effectively. So it's, it's the reason why it can make you sterile. And which also actually means I know that there's at least one story. I think it was some lady in America who was very good and she waited to her wedding night and then discovered she was allergic to her boyfriend or husband. No, that's bad. So that kind of stuff. And it's also, I think, the reason I've got this right, why mumps makes you infertile, is that it's... It's an immune... It, yeah, it's remarkably similar to sperm-specific And, and this, there's a lot of diseases where the body just... It's almost like the body forgets what it is and yes. it starts to attack itself because it no longer recognises it. So all of these autoimmune diseases, they, they're completely wiped out if you just have immune privilege for, for everything. So, yeah, that's, that's a secondary advantage there. What do you think? I'm this? very, very impressed with that. I like that very much. It's so very much on the short list. Yeah, I mean, also, I quite like a brain in my abdomen because I need all the help <laughs> I can get. So I'd be very happy to have that implanted. Yeah, just a little backup one. Why very not? intelligent person's yeah, brain. Yeah, it's you know, there. It's always good. I'm just picturing you being dual core now. You've got this. <laughs> Excellent. Right, so Catherine's idea of immunoprivilege everything. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. Ben, you're up. What's your pitch? Catherine's gone on a whole thing to help humanity. <laughs> I just want to help you. <laughs> Sorry, Catherine. Um, I've been beaten up twice. Only twice? Oh. If you get to know him, you're shocked at the small number. <laughs> I'm surprised only been twice. <laughs> Once by Stephen Dinsdale when I was five. Um, that's not funny. <laughs> I love you're I'm still talking about it now. It scarred me, guys. Um, this isn't therapy, you know, but go ahead. Oh, the... I'm sat in a chair with a light. Trying to have yeah. not. I've been paying you for this. Um, and the other time was by a group of little chimpanzees when I used to live and work in, in Africa several years ago in a sanctuary. And what struck me most was I, like any normal idiot, went down on my knees like, oh, here they come. And it was like being hit by about 12 rugby players about this sort of size. And I was battered and bruised. And what struck me most was how incredibly strong they are. And having worked with great apes um, for several years now, they are immeasurably strong. So they estimate that a chimp is about eight or nine times stronger than an average uh, adult human. Uh, gorillas, potentially about 11 times stronger. And potentially orangutans, even, even stronger than this. They are hugely strong. And obviously, this has benefits in the trees. They're pulling trees down. But their strength is just huge. Because of that, there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of argument to say we know they know each other's strength potentials, potentially reduces aggression. I just like the idea that we're not strong enough. And we were. We were at some point, and we've lost it. I'd like to take a step back a little bit in Evelyn. <laughs> I don't want to step forward. I would like to be a little bit stronger like our nearest and dearest. The downside is you can't swim. That's the only problem. The massive, how many of you swim all the time that's going to change your lives? Don't give me that. How many, apart from you, that one person swims all the time is going to change your life? I would like to be stronger again and go and kick that kid's ass from 20 years. <laughs> I mean, I'm intrigued about this. Is the swimming due to muscle density so ma the mass, you, you just don't float very well? Yeah, there's very little right. fat content. You'd be slimmer as well. Um, very, very little fat content. Right. Very, very, very dense musculature. They just go like a stone. So what do you think? But my, my very last point is, on that same island, we had a chimp that got around this. He used to steal putt-putt boats, and he'd go along Lake Victoria. Genuinely. <laughs> twice. To the point once where a lot of the staff lived on neighbouring islands, he went back at dusk waved to this guy in the boat who was going past the other direction. Guy didn't wave back. He thought, a bit grumpy. Got back to the island, did their census at night where most of the chimps come into their enclosure. 38, 39, oh, 36, 38, 39, weird. Two hours later, some very soggy little fisherman come around going, your chimps have nicked my boat. <laughs> <laughs> really? And this poor little guy was like, ah, oh, They found Sunday, this is his name, Sunday, it was, uh, this has definitely happened. And they found Sunday about two kilometres across on Lake Victoria. And then going to an adult male chimp that's lost in a boat in the middle of Lake Victoria is a huge risk. This poor guy's in his boat going, I'm so sorry, I will just get in that boat, I won't do anything wrong. Um, he was very, very coy and very good. For about two years, then he did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think, Robert? Is this in the shortlist? Chimpy strength? I think, I think it's a very interesting concept. And uh, I'm slightly uh, sad about it because, I've, I'm a, a, as we've discussed swimming, uh, it, it, it's something I've learnt late in life hmm. and take a huge pleasure in because I didn't learn to swim as a kid. Uh, you know, and I had a lot of fear and anxiety about if I saw a swimming pool, my pulse rate went up. If I saw the sea coming near me, I could be on a beach, but as long as I was like, whoa, don't let that wave come too close. Now, I love it, and I get in, and I, and I really appreciate that. So the idea of returning in effectively to the state I was before, which is I get in a swimming pool, the first thing I'd feel was the bottom when I lay on it, which is never a good thing. So um, is, is it on or not, then? Is I guess it's in. It's it, in? It, should no, be in the, it should be in the shortlist. But the yeah. caveat of making sure you can swim. Yeah. I can barely... Like, I, I don't really swim. I just kind of drown slowly, actually. Right. I'm not very good at either, so I feel your pain. All right, though, I think the audience here at Cheltenham Science Festival can do better than this. What have we got that's crabbed your eye from these people here? And if we can go to them, we will do. Um, I've got one from Susan Snow. Is she here? Is Susan Snow Susan here? Snow? Susan, do you mind being on our podcast, please? You've got so many lovely ideas... Uh, let's take this to her okay. in that case. Hi. Um, I, I was particularly drawn to the last one on your list. Sorry, we've had a, we've had a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> a tweet. Sorry, um, Susan. Yeah, so the last one, I've put vision in all frequencies. I think I meant wavelengths. Ah. Um, but to be able to see in x-rays, UV. That would be amazing. There's, animals do not see the world the way we see it. And I am so... Well, we probably don't see the world the same way any of us on this planet. Yeah. I would love to be able to know how other people see the world. I find it endlessly curious. So 
So I would love that. When you say, are you saying all frequencies? What does this actually mean in this case? I think case? I meant wavelengths <laughs> when I said frequencies. But um, yeah, so that we could see in X-rays, UV, light, um, but surely, surely the problem if you're going to see x-rays and you're going to see this stuff all the time is that it's yeah, always know, it there. It would be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, you but can't switch this off. Tunable, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So like you could decide what, when you want to see in each. Mm -hmm. I just wondered as well if we find life on other planets, whether they would see in the same, the same spectrum that we see in or whether they might see in x-ray. One of the problems here is surely going to be if you're going to see really long wavelengths, you need massive eyes, That's I believe. <laughs> Does that go for it, partly? Big-eyed creatures are always really cute. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of being able to see different colours. So, okay. Cartoons always have you with big eyes. So. Can, can we ask you a caveat here, Langan? So if you're going to be able to see in these different things, do you mind looking like your manga? <laughs> are you happy with that, Susan? Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, that's not really up to it, you, it, actually. It what would do you help think, at Robert? airports. I do like the idea, the big eyes thing worries me because I always think you'd get, you'd, I'd walk into a stick, you know, on a, or I'd walk through a bush and I'd get, oh, ah, because it's bad enough now with quite small piggy eyes. Not piggy eyes, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'd be nervous if I had really huge peepers that could see ultraviolet and heat. I quite like to be able to see heat. You'd have big eyelids as well. A massive eyelids. If I had, like, mechanical eyelids that went <laughs> down, that would be all right. Then I could walk through bushes. I tend to walk through bushes quite a lot, not always intentionally. I suppose the problem is, look, our, our visual spectrum exists for, for a reason. Like, we mm. know that bees can see into ultraviolet, say. We know that... What else? There's some things which can see into sort of infrared, but they don't use uh, their snakes. eyes. No, snakes can see infrared. Um, reindeer, I love that reindeer can see UV, because UV um, urine uh, absorbs UV very effectively. So if you have lots of predators around you that are urinating in the snow, it just looks like black blobs, wow. so you know when there's predators I around. I want to see oh, that. Awesome. <laughs> Now again, if you live somewhere, like in any city in Britain, where you're never so far from a rat, yeah. a lot of rats are yeah. peeing constantly. In, in, do you want to know the truth, basically? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the horrible reality. Yeah. Well, is that on? In, I'm not know? sure. I'm, I'm a slightly dubious about that one. I sorry, Susie. Yeah, sorry oh. about that. We have a suggestion here from Phil, Phil by 91. Uh, he's saying, how about squirting a cloud of inky dust to escape awkward situations? Inky dust. What do you reckon? I quite like That's that. Quite I suppose the thing, if you're going to be a squid, though, they're in the water already. Yeah. Whereas this just means that you're just kind of wetting yourself. Well, no, if it's inky dust, though, no, it's very, yeah. that's a very important distinction. It's not spraying a liquid. Well, that would be unpleasant. An, an, an inky liquid would not be nice. But an inky dust that like comes an out of an orifice, someone just goes... Like that, and there's a sort of cloud of inky dust. It's not, so it's not there for long. Well, I have to take this to its logical confusion. Choose your orifice. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd want a new. I think you'd want an inky dust orifice that yes. has no other meaning, but we'd work a meaning into it. Oh, look at his orifice. <laughs> and we're we're humans, and we tend to stick things in everything, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> it's only a matter of time until there's a surgeon who's removing something from your inky orifice. <laughs> We know that every hospital will have an inky orifice box where they think <laughs> pens and light yeah, bulbs right. and action man. The, I've got one. I've got one. Oh, do you need to know whether it's it? I think they're not in. Let's, okay, let's no inky orifice. And what this one I do very, like very much. It's, it's just, it's very, this is from Paul, who I don't think is here. Paul Warwick. Is Paul Warwick, Paul Warwick here? Warwick, yeah. But this is make honey like bees. I quite like that. But what he adds is, but not with your bum. 
But then, he, then, he, then, he, then he obviously stopped and think, oh, do bees make honey with their bums? <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't, though, do they? It's, it's even worse. It's bee vomit. It's bee yeah. vomit, yeah. yeah. But I quite like that idea, that you wake up in the morning and you put your toaster on, and you, you know, you, and then, you, then you just go, <laughs> and you put some... You've got a lovely bit of honey. I quite like set honey, so I might do the bomb before and let it set overnight. Nice. That'd be lovely. You'd know where it came from. You wouldn't, you know. Yeah, it's organic. <laughs> it's organic, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, do you know, would a vegan be able to eat his own honey? Ah, yes, they would. It would open up honey to the vegan market. Somebody said yes. Can we please get a mic to that person? <laughs> <laughs> it was a very confident yes as well, wasn't it? Sharon. Sharon, yeah, Sharon. Tell us, well, please. Well, a vegan would better, you know, if they bit their nails, you know, they can eat mm. their own fingernails or... Do, 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 does anybody eat them? Like, they actually... Like, well, you children. Bite them, well, children do. They, and, yeah. Yeah, children are disgusting. We're talking about oh, real yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, yeah. a, can a vegan mother drink her own milk? Oh. If she wanted to. It's just you can't have anything from another species, so you can breastfeed, you can still... Cannibalism's fine, then. Yeah. <laughs> so you can still Why? feed what? your children, but it's not... You know, you can't have cow's milk, but you right. can breastfeed instead, which is more natural. Yeah. So you can make your own black pudding, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't like Nobody this should Yeah, uh, this is just going off on a super tangent. I love it. Is, is that in them? I think, I think honey, your, I think we should have honey in there. Making yeah. your own honey. Making your own honey. So that but one not is... with your bum. That's very important. <laughs> very important. Let's give it its own orifice as well. Why not? If we're yeah. just making orifice akimbo here, why yeah. not? Making honey. Okay. So, before we finish off, those are fantastic suggestions from the audience. Give them a big round of applause, in fact. Yeah. Um, so, uh, before we finish off, I'm going to give you one final suggestion from Mother Nature herself. Oh. What if we could steal genes from this wonderful bird? Robert, can you describe it to our people at home, please? Well, it's a beautiful-looking bird. I would imagine from a rainforesty type area with amazing tail feathers. Really gorgeous. Yes, I don't yeah. know what it is. It's a bird, well, it's definitely. Partly because the shape of those tail feathers. This is called the lyre bird. Oh, it is a lyre bird. Oh. And not only has it got those wonderful feathers that make it look like a lyre, it may as well be one. It is arguably the world's best mimic. I recommend checking out some David Attenborough programs where you see it imitating the sound of the shutter from the camera that they were using to film it. The sounds of buzz saws, unfortunately, and according to some recent research, it can sing two melodies at once, which literally makes it twice as good as Bob Dylan, who can barely manage one. <laughs> what do you reckon? I think it should be. Oh, no, I think if we could adopt some of its skills, I think it's a, it's a very good... Would it turn um, us all into like Rory Bremners and things, though? Is that a good thing? Yeah, it is. I quite like making noises. I'm, I think I've got a bit of lyre bird in me. Because like having an Irish accent, I only have to meet people for like three minutes and then they are doing me as yeah. if it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer it if they were doing you accurately? No, because actually, you know what? It's more offensive because all they do is always, it's a blimmin' temporary accent. Yeah. Every single <laughs> day. How are you? Oh, top of the morning. Where are my lucky go. charms? I don't yeah. know where my lucky charms are, right? <laughs> It's like me coming up to you lot and just pretending to be a Geordie all the time. That's really weird. Oh. This isn't therapy, Simon. <laughs> so that's on the short list. Well, in that case, you've got a tough time here again. Yeah, no, it's Robert. very difficult. 
Do you want Catherine's idea of immunoprivileged everything? Would you like Ben's idea of super chimpy strength? Like we're all gonna be King Kongs. Uh, would you like the idea of making our own honey? Or the lyrebird's incredible imitative skills? I think actually, because I'm gonna be quite mature here, which is unusual for me, and go for Catherine's suggestion because that actually is genuinely beneficial, potentially beneficial to the human race, and also feels like it's not utterly... I think a, a honey orifice is probably quite unlikely. <laughs> I'm going to take... If, if it does evolve, if we could evolve to be able to do that, it may take a few thousand or even million years, whereas that sounds like there's genuine benefits for... Even if it's only some organs, you know, there, there's, or, or a way of going towards that. Sounds like a very good idea. I'd rather like that. Nice one, Catherine. All right. Yeah. So, ladies and gents, we're going to take that idea forward. We're going to lodge it into the gene bank and see if it grows interest or somehow works out a way to diddle the taxpayer. <laughs> so, before we go, though, I'd love you to give a big round of applause to our wonderful panel. We've had Ben Garrett, we've had Catherine Harkup, and we've had Robert Llewellyn. We've also had the fantastic audience here at Cheltenham Science Festival. I've been your host, Simon Watts. That was Level Up Human. Thank you ever so much. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyouman.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.